Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining us on Money FM 89.3. I'm Bharati Jagdish. Now, nearly 40% of global carbon dioxide emissions come from the real estate sector. So think about this the next time you invest in residential or commercial property, okay? Eliminating carbon emissions from housing is actually essential to reaching the government's target of net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. But let's face it, it's not just about the government, right? All of this is good for us and future generations. Climate change is a very real thing. And as a tropical nation facing rising temperatures and a growing economy, making Singapore's buildings much greener, of course, is a major priority, but also a major challenge. Well, at the COP27 climate talks in Egypt, global property companies and asset managers have gathered at a purpose-built pavilion to talk about how to make buildings more efficient and use materials that are less carbon-intensive to make. Now, the government has mandated that 80% of Singapore's buildings by gross floor area be green by 2030. So how exactly can this be done? Zheng Wanche is Group Chief Strategy and Planning Officer at Fraser's Property. They are a front-runner in sustainability movements with carbon reduction already incorporated into development projects globally, one of which is Singapore's very own Fraser's Tower. So she joins us now to talk more about this. Hi, Wanche. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Barty. Thank you for having me on this program. So, Wancha, companies increasingly focused on corporate purpose. Tell me how you managed to do this within Fraser's property in order to be able to take some of the initiatives that we've described. Okay, so, um, well, our corporate purpose is inspiring experiences, creating places for good. So if you think about the human experiences, we know it's about the customer experience and uh, how we look at inclusion in real estate. But um, more importantly, on the aspect of creating places for good, it's about how do we create sustainable development to create that lasting shared impact. So if you look at um, our journey as a company towards decarbonization, it's really one of the ways we see our purpose coming to life. And, um, you know, in, in that aspect as a company, we are the first SGX-listed real estate company to commit to net zero carbon by 2050 across scopes one, two, and three. And um, what we're also focused on is um, developing that net zero carbon roadmap and carbon reduction targets um, within this year. So that, and, and using a science-based approach towards this, and, you know, you've mentioned that the built environment contributes to 40% of global carbon footprint. So I think it's, it's really important that we look at um, not only within the company what we can do, but also how we can partner stakeholders across the ecosystems um, to get to it there. So let's talk about the stakeholders. Who exactly are we talking about? Because if you talk about internal stakeholders, that's one thing. And then you've got all these external stakeholders. And bear in mind that the value chain is huge when it comes to building and construction, isn't it? Yeah. So I think if you look at the stakeholders here, um, okay, maybe I, let me first talk by um, cover what do we mean by carbon emissions. So uh, in, in terms of carbon emissions, you know, scope one, two and three, scope one is pretty much what's within our control and scope two is energy usage and scope three is what's within um, the value chain. So when we look at working um, with our stakeholders here, you know, on the energy front, it's, it's really about how do we look at um, energy provision um, and the government plays a very important role here. 
And of course, uh, when we look at our overall value chain, this is where um, the um, look, looking at responsible sourcing and how we work with our supply chains is very important. So in the context of working stakeholders, what we see as an important area of focus is actually public-private partnerships because decarbonization is, is complex, is, is difficult. So um, in, in the context of Singapore, you know, we've embarked on a partnership with SP Group, Temaste, and the Singapore government in Singapore's first brownfield distributed district cooling system. So we've got two malls um, in the east, Tampanese One and Century Square, and there'll be a mass of three injection nodes to serve the Tampanese district. And so basically we're using energy efficient chillers to provide chilled waters, not only for our own shopping malls, cooling needs, but also the surrounding buildings. So that's one way we can work with the stakeholders. And of course, the other stakeholders uh, will include like our supply chain. So, um, you know, we also work with suppliers to help them understand what does it mean to decarbonize and what does it mean to be um, sustainable. And I think a final part is in terms of the broad stakeholders is actually on our consumers. So, you know, we've just had the, the climate change week. I know we're supporting the Ministry of Sustainability and Environment and, and there's always been conducting activities at our malls to create awareness on this front. So I think you really need to work across like with government suppliers and with consumers in this overall decarbonization effort. Mm. Give me an idea of what exactly building decarbonization involves. So you've talked about things like water, electricity, of course, and then the materials that are used to build the structure. Those things matter too as well, don't they? That's a good question. So for decarbonization in real estate, it's mainly focused in two areas. So it's about how do we reduce or eliminate carbon emissions in the development, meaning in a construction phase. So that's the first part. And the second part is about the ongoing building operations. So with regards to the first part, which is the development, it's about how do we use building materials with lower embodied carbon and more efficient building techniques, for example, so that we can reduce the emission during the construction process. And we also look into minimizing construction waste because they can add substantially mm. to landfill. And of course, on the operation side, you know, a lot of it is about the energy usage. So how, you know, we, I think during the, the development process, we we'll to make sure that the building is energy efficient and we leverage on technology and operations to be energy efficient. But the other part of it is about the energy supply. So I think, you know, in Singapore, it's, it's really great that the government has outlined a national strategy to develop hydrogen as a major decarbonization um, pathway. Right. And uh, of course, a lot of people looking to that as well. The possibility of nuclear energy has also been mentioned. Uh, That remains to be seen as well. The question really is, how confident are you of getting people on board? I'm sure that you've already seen some results. But for instance, do investors care? Do property investors care about these issues, about how environmentally friendly or green a building is? They they care, right? So I think you might heard of the term brown discount or green premium to building. So what I mean by that is now when investors... I'm talking about like institutional investors and fund managers. When you look at buying a building in the due diligence process, they're actually looking at what's the carbon footprint of the building and how do they make sure that the building is resilient, especially in an environment where your tenants are more demanding on the sustainability aspect um, of the building. And, and it does matter in relation to how they look at the building or what mitigation measures that, that they can take to make the building uh, more resilient. So I think this is... Um, I would say maybe like call it like five years ago is less prominent, but I think in, especially in the 
COVID or post-COVID context is, is definitely on the radar of um, all major investors. Well, it's certainly become a business imperative, hasn't it? Uh, being environmentally friendly, ESG in general. But how do you ensure that people actually know what they're investing in, that all of this is done authentically, that even within your company, people actually believe that this is the right thing to do beyond it being just about making money? Yeah, so I think there are two aspects of it. One is how do we approach it within a company, within our workforce? And the secondly, uh, second part is how do we hold ourselves accountable? So I just talk about um, our workforce. You know, as I mentioned, decarbonization or just broader sustainability is complex and it's not easy. So the way we're approaching it as a company is to make sure that sustainability is built into the culture and DNA of the business, meaning it's everyone's responsibility and not just, for example, the sustainability team. So this is also very much in line with how we embed our purpose in our business. So for example, um, within uh, with our employees, uh, we've made it compulsory for everyone to understand what are the key aspects of sustainability in, in real estate. And I'm proud to say that we've got close to like 100% of all employees um, all having gone through that program. In the last 12 months, you know, we've trained almost like 300 key personnel, including the senior leadership team on topics across climate risk and opportunities, decarbonization, refinancing. And we've been engaging our employees a lot on this to make sure that it's something that they understand and something that resonates with them so that, you know, in terms of the daily work and what we do is embedded in what we do. So that's on how we approach it from um, an internal uh, workforce point of view. And with regards to how, you know, do we hold ourselves accountable? So I think, you know, you probably have read in the news on things like greenwashing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think in, in this sense, what's important is to be credible it's important for companies to measure, report, and provide assurance around the various sustainability initiatives. So, for example, to hold yourself accountable, you need to be able to set yourself up to objective benchmarks and measurements. So, um, in the real estate industry, um, there is this global real estate sustainability benchmark, mm. and we use that to measure how our business entities have been performing compared to our peers uh, in different sectors and different geographies. And of course, we use a science-based approach to derive our net zero carbon target so that there's clearly defined pathways towards reducing the greenhouse gas emissions. And on a strategic level, we also align our ESG priorities with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Now, of course, you know, once we set this objective benchmark, then the the thing is, is about making sure that we, through our reporting, we offer that balanced and transparent view to our stakeholders. And, you know, on this front, you have heard about the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, right. or TCFD. Yeah. So we're also aligning our climate-related disclosures, uh, whether it's in relation to governance, strategy, risk management, or the metrics and targets in alignment with the TCFD recommendations. And I think um, a final bit is to ensure that the information is authentic. Right? All the figures and content should be audited by third parties so that assurance is an important part of it. Mm. Finally, Wancha, discourse on fighting climate change has been mixed over the years, right? And in the last couple of years, it has been noted that a lot of governments and businesses have been distracted by the pandemic and, of course, geopolitical tensions around the world having ripple effects globally as well. 
So with all of these distractions, with worries that not enough is being done to help developing nations reach their climate goals as well and controversies in some areas, what exactly does the future look like in the real estate space as we move forward? What are the things to look out for? What are the obstacles to overcome most urgently? Yeah, so as I mentioned, you know, decarbonization is not easy, right? So I would say it's really partnerships and the whole ecosystem. So what I mean by that is within companies, holding ourselves accountable and factoring this into our decision making. So for example, at Fraser's Property, we factor sustainability into our balance scorecard and impact uh, management remuneration. Government can play a tremendous role here. And I'll talk about that later in the context of Singapore. And of course, you know, the customers and industry. And I think technology is also an important area. And I think what's heartening is uh, with rising carbon pricing, it would mean that there'll be more funding that's going towards technology and advancement that's needed um, for us to decarbonize. And I think, you know, in the context of Singapore, uh, we're in a really unique situation of being a city-state where we can move fast in policymaking and implementation. And I think there's an opportunity here for public-private partnerships and also, you know, within government, how they're looking at partnerships across government bodies to look at how we can, um, you know, bring the different stakeholders together um, for a more sustainable real estate. Thanks very much for that, Wancha. Really appreciate your time today. Cheng Wancha, Group Chief Strategy and Planning Officer at Fraser's Property. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.